Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the creep dive. We're back again. Oh my god, we're back again. This is the fourth time we've started the Star Trek. Look, there was a few little false starts. There was a few leads and shot. Your camera's up there. Say hello to the people of the world. Welcome in. Did you see Mike Tyson beat the head off some guy in a plane? No. Gas. Is it? Kind of. Are we okay with that? I no. think so. Uh, but he drove him to it. Okay. What did he say? I could take you in a fight, Mike Tyson. Probably. But then I love that. Did you ever see the the, the men on the internet? Awful creatures um, who Rude. think that I love they NTM. could take Katie Taylor in a fight. Something oh. like like a re- like seven. I'm gonna. It's about seventy percent of men believe that they could beat Katie Taylor in a fight. Yeah, oh my God. I'm one of them. I believe I could take her. <laughs> <laughs> the the killing about it would be would be the element of surprise. No one would expect it from you. Exactly, and <laughs> maybe approach from behind, behind a to- curtain. While she was just casually watching television. A boxing class. You know in Combrazzle Street it's the boxing gym up there was got quite popular. Yeah. Really, really good. Vic is a like world renowned boxer and he's the trainer in there. And I went to a few classes in there and I saw white spots when I was leaving. Oh. It was walking out and the whole world going white and being faint. One time Nadia vomited after the class. That's yeah. the level and then I hid in the bathroom one time. Are you pitched against one another? Yeah, it's vicious. Oh, I don't know about well, that. no, you do all your training and you do all the like rope stuff, and then you're working on a bag, and then you go and into then the you ring. do a lot of skipping, and then you have to like do this game with each other where you have to like hold your defenses. Anyway, I honest to God, bam, bam, never been put through. I mean, oh, I'm not God. a workout. I'm not a workout gal, but um, never experienced exercise like it. Good to know. Would recommend for those who enjoy exercise. Yes. Would not recommend for everyone else. Okay. Do you, thank you. You're welcome. This week, I've got a story. Title, Pigeon King, and a man who just got himself carried away and um, in the attempt to turn pigeon into the new chicken. Like I saw a video. Edible. Edible. Do you know what it's called? Squab. 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 Uh, yeah. But like there's, there's just not enough meat on a, on a pigeon. Anyway, I could tell you no. about that. But then I dip my toe back into the honey badger scene. I do ah, love honey badgers. Ah, brilliant. Do love a honey badger. And there's something summary about honey badgers. They're just endlessly positive. Um, <laughs> most people probably encounter them when they're traveling. That's where they always in my head. I'm like, oh, your summer holidays, a honey badger. Yeah. Um, I saw a video yesterday on the Tiki Toki of chickens flying down a hill. Yeah, I saw that too. Wholesome. Yeah, and apparently, they if can, you don't, yeah, f- total free range, unclipped chickens can fly very low. Yeah. And for a couple of feet only. Well, not when they're taken off on top of a mountain. They could come down. They come thundering down that mountain yeah. and they all jump off and fly. Absolutely. It was glorious. I've done that with a hang glider. So have yeah. I. Yeah, I had, right, a housemate who was a, chicken. a very intense chicken. <laughs> who loved hang gliding mm. and he was always kind of being like oh you should come hang gliding with me sometime and I was like I should but the awkward conversation just hanging there flying around was putting me off yeah mm. eventually I was like yeah give us an old let's do it fly let's do this let's fall in love as predicted Horrendous. the making of conversation the flying majestic the small talk 
crushing no. and it was a great day for it as he kept saying in my ear because I was sort of suspended below him that's I hate that you're in a sleeping mm. bag below yes and he was in my ear being like great day for it great day for it and I was like ah, like just I'm very hungry it. will we land really will we land it. oh I love the flying yeah like I said the small talk absolutely Ruined it. chronic and it's hard because your entry into that kind of flying you always have to be tandem with someone yeah. down to there's no way you can just get yourself a hang can't glider just jump. like it, introverts are just left out of all of these sports <sighs> all of the time or it's they like, have to overcome both the fear of flying and the fear of extroverting small also, talk uh, the hang glider wing thing you have to run off a ledge mm. but run together <laughs> oh that's right very shuffly and then nobody talks about this enough but the actual position after a couple of hours, loved loved them at a distance. It was two hours up there. Wow. Apparently, the thermals were amazing. You couldn't have been two so hours. God, two, two life hours have gone to France. Yeah. But um, the thing, the position is like lying front ways in a hammock. Yeah, backbreaking. But what I would say this: the landing was one of the most exciting things I've ever experienced because you come in really low at speed, and it's such an insane perspective to be flying just inches above the grass shooting across a field great it's wild when else in your life are you ever doing and then how that? do you land you just come to a stop like a, mm. your legs eventually uh, hit you the slow ground. you, you do whoa. slow run with it like we, we were kind of lying but maybe he brought his legs down and i was kind of lying yeah, he was just riding me at that stage like a little banana Steering you with was it was painful. It's like a taxi driving experience where you have to do the chat. Do you ever wonder what would win the fight? The a honey badger, hundred chickens, or Komodo dragon? Honey badger. Honey badger. My understanding of honey badger is that they are the like the top of the food chain. They could fight off. They are what do you call the predators that are at the top? Ruthless, but peak. They have no natural predators. Except us. Except with us. With a gun. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, no. I think there is much contention online about <laughs> who would about, win. What about like a cheetah? Would that not? No, no. no. Uh, honey badgers would easily. Just punch one in the face. Well, you might remember from Stoffel, or things I might have told you about honey badgers. What they do is they go for the groin. They've been known to kill rhinos. They rip out the testicles and penis area. They let the animal slowly bleed to death. And they go in via that hole and eat it from the inside out. Oh my God. They are without Ruth. They're Ruth amazing. Less. They've also been known to use tools. As we know from Stoffel. But they will go after uh, uh, ostrich eggs. Impossible to penetrate. Not for a honey badger. Who will lift it up with its long clawed hands and bash it over a rock. Could we not lift it up and bash it over a rock? Well, yes, but, uh, but, we yeah, eat but ostrich an ostrich eggs. egg is not a peak predator. Okay, yes, absolutely. Um, but oh, <laughs> yeah, talk, that's really preying on an infant. That's a bad look for this a honey badger. They are do. This so funny looking. They are amazing. And the winner probably is a honey badger. Although the Komodo dragon, you might remember as well, it, it weighs about 350 pounds. But it has those uh, that bacteria that, that, that will infest inside. So one bite, probably kill you because all the teeth... Um, juice around the teeth will eventually start eating you from the outside in there's anyway. so many funny videos of people who have komodo dragons in their back gardens like dogs yeah and bad idea there's so there's people who have done such stupid things on camera and then said i'll share this with youtube and it's great it's great it's great taking one for the team uh, what do you want to hear? So, so I know you have a big, huge one. I don't know what to do about this, guys. Like, you're gonna will we to do it so over two hives? Yeah. Like, it's been threatening for so long. I thought it would be one that I'd never do because it's too mainstream. But I realized there was only one way to exercise this demon. And it is by telling you all about the cannibal of Milwaukee. Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey. Old JD. What would Jeffers do? That's the little bracelet that we should bring out as our next creep merch. Speaking of bad, bad I'll tell men. you what Jeffers would do. Yeah. Dead people. Mm. Almost exclusively. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Literally, in terms of like, it has everything. Yeah. It's got a lot. It has everything. He covered all bases. He really got very um, expansive. With his activities. Creative. Right. So, I can't yeah. wait. Well, speaking of kind of bad, bad men, Netflix documentary came out, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah. I powered through that. It's quite good. Oh, Jesus, Gacy. What a fucker. Who was he? 
The clown. Uh, the clown. Oh, yes. Okay. 30 plus buried dead in, boys yes. and men. Buried oh. in his home. That's not something now I'm going to welcome into my life this week. Not yeah. for this week. But perhaps. I'll give you the 17 dead boys and men instead. From Jeffrey. Okay, Massive we can take fucking that. fucking trigger. Um, I have for you a something called the Matilda effect, Ooh. which is the historical uh, act of men taking credit for women's work. And I'm going to tell you some stories that are going to blow your mind. Well, I can't. I was thinking telekinesis, but no. <laughs> Not named after thinking... Matilda. Matilda, <laughs> named after a scientist, Matilda, who see, again. Her name and I was the thinking Roldal. Well, he stole it from obviously this original Matilda and went straight for the giant cake. Yes, and also Great I brought a though. giant cake for our lunch. It's Ooh. over there. Okay, well I tell you about Arland Galbraith. Please do. Yeah, picture this: a man with a plan. Now, in Ireland's defence, he was doing fine, just living his life, and then a terrible incident happened to his wife, who ended up um, kind of infirm. So she needed looking after, and Ireland was under pressure to create a business that was going to work in order to finance him and his wife's existence. What year are we? We are... So the business kicked off in 2001. Okay. So that's the kind of era that we're in. Trial happened in 2013. So we have this many years to cover. Mm-hmm. So Arlan knew a bit about a lot of stuff. Like um, he was good Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. But he it's did know a lot about pigeons. Pigeons were with him forever in his life. Mm. He turned to them in his time of need. And this was a time of need for Arlan. Galbraith, right? He was sort of... Um, people liked him. He was happy to kick off this business and knew that his friends would come in on it. And here's what it was. He's going to arrive to your house with a couple of pigeons. He's going to tell you that these are bred for perfection in terms of flying ability. Racing pigeons. Professionals. Right. Does he bring them in a suitcase? Probably. He brings them on his two fingers. (laughs) under a cloak. One of those... Giant cages under the cloak and you whip them off and there are all the pigeons. Ta-da! <laughs> and you could just start with two. And at first he'd be like, I can only sell you two. That's like, there's a, not Ooh. enough of these lads to go around. Yeah. The genetic line is tight. Oh, what I'm looking good. for here... Scarcity. Scarcity. Scarcity is good. I'm looking for you to look after these birds and they're going to lay eggs. Okay, the breed... And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy the babies for you, guaranteed. I'm going to buy the babies from you oh. and this is the plan. So you're like, this is like the fella that we had before who was selling people sewing machines. Yes. And then said, I'll come back. Was that the founder of Lulu Lulu Row? No, that was a guy who was eventually uh, invented the three wheel car. Yes. It was like, I'll sell you the sewing machine and then I'll buy your wares. Yeah. So same principle. Now, Ireland went on to be, you know, accused of a Ponzi scheme. That because it is, uh, but but things went slightly different for uh, for Ireland because yes, you would think to yourself this immediately is a scam, but you'll never guess who came back three weeks later. Ireland with money and for what? the for the babies. So what you got to know about pigeons Did is you ever see a pigeon baby. He's pyramid scheming Delight. himself. They're so cute. Well. He, so pigeons have a mating and a laying season, something like March to July. And they lay one or two eggs in a go. And, uh, you know, they'll just keep laying them. And then, you know, it seems like the ultimate thing. You feed them a bit of grain. You have a lovely cage in your back garden. And you're like, yeah, okay, Arlan, I'm going to take more than two. Give me eight. Uh-oh. Oh. And Arlan's oh. like, all right, I'll see if I can work it out for you. Oh, and Because no. uh, you're my favourite. Exactly. People got involved. So the first visit is like the gateway visit. Exactly. And then and it they're wasn't, hooked. The, well, the thing is, they were going, these babies, like it's very little input for a great output. So he was paying you more than sometimes $25, $30 per chick. Mm. So you're like, And how much do you buy the bir- birds for? Thousands. But he's right. tricking them into being amateur pigeon breeders for him. Yes. Usually genius. It is kind of genius, but then things went so strange. What do we call them again? Fanciers. Pigeon fanciers. Do you ever hear of a lever, uh, what is it going to, a Birmingham roller? No. So there's a no, there's a fucking few things pigeons can do. So not only can they fly at speeds of 90 kilometers an hour, that might be miles or kilometers, very fast, fast with the homing. So when you race them, you let them off in one location, 300 kilometers away, 
you wait for them to come to you and then the race is who arrives first or who arrives at so all. You don't know who cheated in the interim. Well, there's like, lots of that like going on. Like Tour de France style. Somebody Some of the could are, have been towing that pigeon Yeah, yeah. or someone were Boeing. getting on the subway and getting off yeah. just before. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. just remember that lad who got the train with his bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the guy with the cork in his teeth? Or the marathon runner in Boston yeah. who got on the subway and jumped out and just rejoined the thing and won without a sweat a there's always just going to be a Irish percentage did something of similar. cheating oh you're right there was there was there was, was there uh, I can't even remember who that don't was don't even Try. put that in your mouth okay so back to Gar- Arlan mm-hmm. things were going I think what I'm saying was anyway whatever things were going great he was coming back it seemed to be a thing that was working except I know what you're thinking and I was thinking the same where are these pigeons yes. that he's t- kind of he's he's accumulating enormous volumes of pigeons but <laughs> of course reselling them on. he's reselling them but then so the where is the pigeons didn't cross my so mind basically oh, really not. I'm obviously a con artist I was like straight away pick up the baby pigeons yeah. next door Follow neighbor the money. look at the success there have a next door would you like to buy two pigeons yeah and yeah. he's got this like informal pigeons breeding sweatshop going on. He does. And all the staff of his sweatshop are just gormlessly delighted with themselves with no idea. Well, they are. And some of them would have bought so many that eventually they're just trying to make their money back at this initially. Um, because oh you put up loads of money oh up front dear. for all of the, the, these high quality breeding pigeons. And then you're like, okay, 25 quid a pop for the eggs and the chicks. They're coming back slowly, but surely I'm going to make a profit. But the fucking amount of people that Arlan was selling pigeons to would make your eyes simply water. Anyway, let's go back into this. So uh, here we are. Everyone's getting pigeons. We're in Ontario and Canada. We're heading to different provinces in Canada. Back home at the ranch, Arlan has 14 barns full of pigeons. 14 barns? In one barn alone, he's got 40 thousand pigeons oh what? my god the noise how to remember all the names I <laughs> name tag system okay so the he little, little tag maybe color coded all the red marked pigeons john mm. he was churning through the sales so much so that at one point he'd taken nearly 42 million from farmers what 42 million, million. that's how much pigeons he'd sold off now oh bear wait, in mind, not the money so he'd taken in 42 million, but he'd given the people um, the pigeons, right? But okay. with the promise that he was buying them back, and he was buying them back okay. up to a point. Okay. So he got this new accountant into the business and uh, she was like, all right, just look at the books there, brought up the ledgers. Sit down there, Arlen, we need to go through a few things. And she said to Arlen that in order, to, you have signed us up here, our obligations to buy back pigeons the amount we're obliged to buy back is $356 million worth of pigeons. (gasps) And Ireland was like, I know it's gotten a little bit out of hand, (laughs) right? But the plan is still viable. Still solid. How is it viable? But the reality is it wasn't at all. Yeah. Because (laughs) that's right. He fucked himself over. He's the only person participating in this pyramid scheme. Yes, but there's no benefit to anyone. What he needed to do was to get them to sell the baby pigeons for their money back to their neighbours. It's gone in the wrong direction. We've got have. a good pigeon business here. He needs here. a whiteboard with three arrows. And you know, him, arrow, a gormless person, arrow, pigeon, whatever. True. Question, now, how's yes. the wife doing? I'm not sure. She was never she's mentioned again. I have to give credit cacophony here. This of the is, pigeons, I'd say she's worsening by the day. Now she's this, got $42 million. Well, she doesn't really because it's all in pigeons. Uh, they got to have been taking the money out somewhere okay, though, here along while, the way. While I'm here, this is... Oh, I got all of this information from a New York Times magazine article by... John Mulalem. So we thank you kindly for your amazing article. But there's a various uh, YouTube videos as well, kind of shortening this story, but it's incredible. So back into the game, right? The wife's there, still alive. The money is tight and not there at all because the amount of money he's spending to maintain the 14 barns, he's got Sometimes. people all over the place working for him You'd now. You'd say he'd have quite a lot of overheads. Yeah. Pigeons, <laughs> pigeons, birds are overhead. overhead. Sorry now, Jesus. That was, that it's was, not funny when you have to explain what it was. was. Well, the whole scheme was for the birds. Hey! <laughs> anyway, we're back in it. So Ireland's like vibrating with stress now at this point. 
And he's like, oh shit. Another I've feeling. definitely <laughs> gone too far into this. And how I pivot. I need to pivot. The take out expensive life insurance policies on all the pigeons. Mm. And then... Sapphire to those barns. Well, the thing Jesus was, Christ. I'm sorry. Look, if four million pigeons oh need to die. Well, you need to, you're going to be upset about what happens later. But anyway, back in the game, he's like, I need to pivot. Chickens. We got to start eating them. This could turn into food. Okay. I'm going to take over the chicken market with pigeons. It's been a long time since the chicken market was innovative. Exactly. And people love to eat pigeons in high-end restaurants. Sometimes you'll get a pigeon. Will you? Will you, Quay? I don't think it's... I don't think it's high end. I've ever met a pigeon in a restaurant. And there's various reasons for that. Very little meat. Not massively delicious. And expensive. It's like like rabbit. It's so fucking time consuming to get at the fucking meat. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Did you also listen to The Daily did a big kind of expose on chickens? Michael Balboa. My God, uh, yeah, so it's desperate. We eat enormous volumes of chickens every year. But you're right, Cass. It's an untapped market. Nothing has ever come close. Wait a minute. What about the chicken Kiev? I mean, that. You could do a pigeon Kiev, Soph. Or the chicken nuggies. A chi- a yeah, no, I mean, the, the preparation of the chicken has probably innovated somewhat. But, like, it's still all chicken. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, the turkey like, tried. But, yeah. like, God love it. There's got to be another bird that's edible. There, yes, there is many other. All of them are. We're all edible when it comes to it. Everything's but, edible if you're brave enough. Everything's just pre-food. But nobody as wants would say. to eat. Nobody really wants to eat the pigeons. Arlan's panicking as well because he can't necessarily let the old people that were in on the business know that he's pivoted. Yeah, they'll get concerned. Ooh. So the story of the sales pitch slightly changed. Um, and but again churning out many many pigeons and the pigeon volume Jesus. was just up and up and up and this is Ireland has 12 or 14 barns full of 40,000 pigeons per barn but so do some of the people he supplied to what they've got barns on the it's go it's gone now. out of hand it's gone way way out of hand we're talking about maybe half a million pigeons right <laughs> Just, just churning away. Them. But also, like, the idea that they're racing pigeons is just nonsensical. They got some specialist in to check them out, and it was like, this is a genetic mess. <laughs> None of just these. Pigeons. These are literally just pigeons. And he's watered down the, you oh, know. Oh, no, the gene pool is muddied. The thing about Garland as well is he got all his best mates in on it. So oh, they were like, oh, lads, what's going on here? And they all ended up on trial. And in the end, Ireland decided he was going to you know defend himself and oh it went terribly terribly wrong so anyway the what? wife was there in the background worrying but you know not too concerned Ireland was on the road nine to five Monday to Friday and when he wasn't there he was in the barns fancying his pigeons what he should have done <laughs> is got loads of them tied to strings and started selling them as some sort of like aero vehicle but he very Yes. Mm. Like wearing a long trench and all the pigeons pick him up of and then he can fly through the sky. Glide. I mean, yeah. he definitely, mm. that, I'm sure he considered all options in a serious manner. We need manner. a redesign of the merch So there that was I'm even, wearing proudly today. That's it, exactly. Oh, just yeah, replace the balloons with the pidgeys. So anyway, back in, Arlen was like, I'm sorry, mates. Things are starting to take a bit of a turn because I've been rumbled. So enter a new character by the name of David. David was obsessed with Ponzi schemes and had a website outing um. Ponzi schemes. And he got his hooks into this business and would not let it rest. Yeah. He was like, this is a Ponzi scheme. This man is destroying our farmers' businesses. We need to take him down. And nobody much listened to David um, until a little magazine, uh, let me get up the name here, did listen to David. And wrote an expose trying to bring down the Pigeon King. At this point, uh, Arlen had kind of li- had a limited company called the Pigeon King. <laughs> and uh, he was definitely not happy with the focus that turned onto the company. Because a little lifting of the scab and you could see the mess Ugh. that Ugh. this was in. But also the families who were like, we've put... You know, we've cashed in our life savings into this. We have 100,000 pigeons in our garden. Are you trying to tell me that you're going to stop collecting the chicks? Because what are we going to do with the pigeons? (laughs) And where is my money? But like, Ireland, is Ireland even getting anything out of this? No. Stress. He's so stressed. stressed. 
And also the thing is the money was sort of there was money coming in. There was, he was just, there? He didn't have a candle on it. Like he was oh. still selling to new but he needed the new families and the new farmers to it was sign in up. In and out. In yeah, leave no trace. Looks great, out. but it was just going out the door. Oh, Jesus. The thing about Thor- David, who had the website, David J. Thornton, was he was 75. He had a history of difficulties with people. For instance, he once got into an altercation with an elementary school girl um, while handing out cr- his website, <laughs> Crime Busters Now Literature, outside a school near Toronto. What age was she? I think she was about 11. Oh, and, uh, very trying age. Yeah, so apparently he grabbed her by the waist to try and get her to pay attention to what he was saying oh, no, and of course he was no. arrested oh, uh, charges later dropped now he at this point had nothing to lose and he would not let Arlen out of his snatches um, and it, things were, it was, the year was 2007 so the business had been going six years and this was its eighth year and he, our man Arlen was tired and he didn't have too much fight left in him and he knew he tried the whole pigeon as chickens it wasn't taken off. No mm. one was buying. Like pigeon licking good? It's pigeon. just a little... It just doesn't have the same ring. Certainly not. And I'm sad for him. And we should be sad for him. <laughs> but the thing about the whole Ponzi scheme is, yeah, he's fucked it up. He, he could have... It could have kind of been a somewhat successful Ponzi scheme if he... Let just, the people sell their own fucking yeah, shit. If you just yeah. gone the then right Then you're direction. just in the pigeon trade. Yes. Now, enter the email that came around. Arlen knew his the gig, gig was, was up. up. He was like, I have to let everybody know. And it's looking like oh, things no. are going very, very... They're going to go very badly. So he wrote an email blaming David J. Thornton from Crime Busters Now website. Uh that he'd scuppered his business huh. by putting people off buying the race pigeons and he could no longer continue. Oh. And he's very sorry. He is sorry. But I won't be buying any more chicks. And uh, sorry. And that was the end. Now, that was the end, except it wasn't. Because what the fuck am I going to do with half a million pigeons? Like the authorities in Toronto were like, you can't release these birds into oh our skies. It will be chaos. They'll completely take over. So then shit everywhere. Shit everywhere. And just the visual upsettingness of too many birds. <laughs> it and is very scary to see loads exactly. and loads of birds in the sky. You always think like they're onto something. What do they know? What do they yes. know that I don't the know? The other day here there were twelve magpies sitting outside. Freaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna win Horrible. the lotto. I didn't. Yes. It was very upsetting. So the email said, My heart is breaking as I write this letter. Uh, the company Pigeon King International is dead in the water and has been reduced to ashes by fear brought on by slanderous underhand smear campaign bought upon me by a handful of jealous protesters bent on destroying me. So, yes, I accept that you're annoyed. Yeah. But you've made an absolute balls of this. You absolutely have. So he said, uh, you can bring, bring, blame the ringleader, David. Yeah. And puff, in a puff of smoke, he was gone. Ooh. Wasn't answering any phone calls. One of the sword farmers came after him, tried to find his address, found his address, looking in the windows of his house, couldn't find him. No shit. Fake own death, a la crafter? No, no, kind of, but he just disappeared. He went to live in a van and he was like, I'll keep moving around and I'll just pretend none of this ever happened. But what happened behind the scenes then was the farmers left with thousands and thousands of pigeons. Told by authorities, they can, you cannot release these birds en masse mm. because of the terrible things that will happen. Mm. So they were like, oh shit, we're going to have to do away with these birds. And they had to. So oh, one Jesus. farmer... Why didn't they try and release them into the ocean? <laughs> just and kind of... To the, some of them did. By way of them into the waters and just sort of go like, look, if... If they don't live, it's not quite us incinerating them. Well, incinerating, not so much. Poison? Not, again, no. Sometimes hand-to-hand combat (laughs) with the neck of a thousand pigeons. Oh, fucking hell. Over two hours, you could take a thousand down. you could do in there? You could just bring a chainsaw. And just and go just at it. Hell for leather. face. Just, yes. You know when he does what the little the dance at the end and he's like. You could. That's what we should do flying. for our first patron only watch party. 
My favourite, TCM. We should do that. Yeah. Right, here's okay. the what happened. Some of them, so pigeons are sort of docile in the evening hours. So easy to put into a burlap sack. Oh, Jesus. And oh, then no. bring to a river. Oh, no. And hold it underwater. No. Oh, no. Yeah, right. And others, like I said, over a two and a half hour period, broke the neck of a thousand chickens. Fuck pigeons. Fucking hell. Jesus. Yeah, but there was nothing they could do. They couldn't afford to feed them. You can't sell them on. Eating them is, as we've discussed, annoying and not, <laughs> it's, it's not enough meat. Jesus. I mean, you probably could eat a few, but you know, who has a f- refrigerator that big? Who has the time and for the, the time deboning? For the plucking. Jamie Oliver. So in the end, there was many, many deaths. Fucking hell. And, you know, then Arlen, living in a van, was brought to prison. Justice? Brought to justice okay. by way of his own hand because he was like, I'll represent myself here. Who knows the business better than me? So he did mm. reappear to he stand did. trial. He did. And what did they charge him Over with? Over two years, they charged him with fraud, Ponzi scheme. They should have charged him with like half a million pigeon deaths. Poten- potentially that was rolled in. I'm not sure, but he pigeon represented slaughter. himself in the most frustrating manner, having no kind of understanding of the law. Comedy ties. Comedy ties. Yeah. He literally was in it. a comedy tie. He yeah. said he kept making reference to the fact that he was completely broke, which he was. This was kind of his argument. If this was a Ponzi scheme, wouldn't I be rolling in dough? Oh, I can this picture him a really with bad like, business. It was just a bad business. Mm. God love him. I feel like I can picture him with like a little kind of um, bow tie that just goes. Yeah. And, and being like, flowers. guys, he's got like a flower in his lapel. That when yeah. you bend over to smell it, squirts water at you. Squirts pigeon <laughs> he's shit. that kind of guy. I'm the pigeon no. king. My pigeons love me. The pigeon king's wings were clipped and he went to jail for eight years. Eight years. And that is just a classic case of someone dumb going to prison. Isn't it? It is not. I don't think he... He wasn't like a mastermind of some sort of... He he just let it all run out. It's like the yarn stories. He just got carried away. And the swiftness with which these birds were reproducing was... You could just believe it. Like rabbits. Will I finish? Yeah. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the Pigeon King. But that's not to put anybody off pigeoning, fancying, racing. It's a huge gig. And not only if you're bored with the speed element, you can get into tumbling. What? Like they fall over? They tumble in the air. <laughs> okay. they're, sp- they're called rolling, rollers. Oh, so what there's Birmingham, the, there's a Birmingham roller. It's a type of pigeon. So they go up in the air and they like fall by rolling. And you'll count the number of rotations they do. Mm. And that I know, Soph. It's like a triple axle. Exactly. So you'll find, huh? What does the, the thing tell you? Which? There's, you said count the spins. You'll count the number of spins they do. And yeah. then the, if yours did eight in a row, you win. Boom. Oh. So you'll have these some men. science to it. It seems to be all men. I couldn't find any women, I'm sure, but I didn't look specifically for women. Do you think that women are just off doing something more important? I don't know. Yeah. I, no, I, no, I don't want to denigrate a hobby, obviously. No, no, no. Hobby, hobbies are great, but like often then the birds will go back into the cage in someone's back garden. It doesn't look like a great life for the bird, but no. maybe, maybe not. They live the... I had a friend whose dad was into pigeons and it was like an out house like little stone kind of shed yeah and it was absolutely racked and stacked with the pigeons That's they it, didn't so. have very much space there was like a little do you know those kind of old letter boxes you see in the states yeah that you kind of slot in and it like just about held a bit oh yeah maybe you he see, just wasn't a great pigeon owner though. yeah i'm sure there's loads of good ones but again fucking the pigeon king and i'd say he was fucking sick when Tiger King was a big hit on Netflix and he was like, where's the fucking Pigeon King long before that? I'd watch, I'd watch the Pigeon King sooner than I'd watch season two of Tiger King. Me oh too. God, yeah. Yeah. Season two, what a fucking What reach. were they doing? Well, I forgot to say that rehashing a lot a of stretch. stuff. Ireland's claim to fame was sold a couple of pigeons to Tyson. Ah! That's the Tyson connection. And that's like, full circle, were you talking about I was. At the start and of the I came back around again. I love Kaboom. it. Circling back, there you as go. they you, say, you, in the parlance of our times. Touch. And art, art, artistic storytelling there is what that was. Thank you. Mm, uh, you should get the old basic artist income. You would think. Uh, Cass, Let me what, tell are you, you, what are you thinking? What are you cooking? Let me tell you about the Matilda effect. Not named after Rodale's Matilda, but instead named after a woman called Matilda Jocelyn Gage, who was a suffragist and a uh, abolitionist if from... In the early 1900s. One hot piece of ass. She wrote a... She <laughs> Objectify. Wrote, yeah, of course. Just do 
do all the things that she she fought against. Um, she wrote an essay called "Women as in the Inventor," and in this essay outlined how often women working in certain roles made incredible advances and it was just a male colleague or a husband that took credit for the work and I think this is really important because when you look back on history and you look at how the world has evolved and how women are still treated in the workplace and there is still such disparity between male and women and their earning potential and the proportion of women in c-suite positions and as owners of companies etc 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 it all comes back to well women only entered the workforce and the 50s or 60s and we've got catching up to do and all that kind of stuff and don't women go off and have babies isn't it very hard and actually that's all just a fucking lie mm. it's all just a lie well we're very emotional like we're we too emotional to do anything jobs and we obviously bleed once a month completely so God knows what paganism we're up to. if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cannot trust us. And sure, women have never done anything important ever throughout the history of time. But they have. They've Let's done so many important things. Of right? course we have. It's, so this is really prolific across STEM and across arts as well so you know the famous example of margaret Keane, who was an artist in the 1960s her husband walter became famous for his big eye paintings big eye characterized by the yeah sorry walter Walter, yeah yeah characterized by the oversized eyes of the artwork subjects um they were hugely popular in 90 kind of 1960 to 1970 and in 1970, Keane's ex-wife, Margaret, explained finally on a radio station that she was the real painter behind the Big Eye series um, when they were challenged then to a paint-off in Union Square. Amazing. Walter didn't even turn up. Yeah, I mean, what could you do? Do you know, um, Siri Hustfed wrote this amazing novel about, well, in this wheelhouse called this The Blazing World. Mm. And I feel like creeps would really enjoy it because it's basically about an artist who assumes a male identity a woman artist who assumes a male identity. There's a and, lot of that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And basically, like, exposes the hypocrisy of the art world and how gendered attitudes are when you know that it's a, a woman artist or a non-binary artist or a person of marginalized identity. There was goodbye one example. Night. Blazing world, it's excellent. I will get to one example in a minute, right? This one, infuriating. Elizabeth Maggie was a game designer. Okay, Uh, like a board game designer. She was born in 1866 and she was kind of like of liberal political views, hated greed and this idea of um, the the overpriced properties, very much like what we have today, but we're talking about 18, you know, early 19, kind of 1916, I think it was when she invented a board game as a sort of um, game that philosophized against landlord greed interesting was it called monopoly well no. first, 
she um she believed that all the prophets she was kind of uh, georgism in her beliefs and believed that all the prophets of the work done on the land should then be redistributed amongst the people you know kind of a, a an equal in an equal society and so she designed this game called the landlord's game that helped demonstrate her beliefs the la- the game had a square board fake money a go to jail square and it was played in two rounds in the first round it was called anti monopolist when the players had to pool together buy land and the profits were shared equally and then the second round was called monopolist where you were to go around and try and gain all of the money and bankrupt your rivals. But it <laughs> started crushing. as a parody of society. Well, exactly. And then, and then they just took the bad bit and ran and with just it. Well, ran with it, yes. This is how it happened. So the landlord's game became so popular between Maggie's friends that she applied for a patent in, so it was 1903 when she invented this game. And it started spreading very organically throughout her friends' circles and people playing it. Um, it was very fashionable in left-wing circles uh, and with individuals often kind of like creating, taking the rules of her game and creating their own, their version of the board. But playing it and it contrib- like attributing it back to Lizzie Maggie, who'd invented it, right? There was this man, a salesman, who was going through a period of unemployment. He'd previously been a heater salesman called Charles Darrow. And he adapted the idea, added the colored neighborhoods and illustrations on the board. And he sold the game to the Parker brothers in 1935, becoming the first person to ever earn a million dollars off a board game known as Monopoly. Which he connected to her at all. He, he witnessed friends of hers play the game. No So way. he was, he that was. divide a friend group. But did she ever have any comeback on that? Well, she had pitched the game to Park the Parker Brothers <gasps> prior to that. And they said no to her, oh. that they didn't like the two rounded effect. But instead of working with and her and her developing vagina. it further, yeah, they said no. And then it was a couple of years later that Charles Dar- um, Darrow came in, pitched the game. And for years and years and years, Monopoly has been solely attributed to this guy, Darrow. Um, it was even the create the story of its creation was even printed in the booklet on the the game. No mention of her. Uh, it said in 1934, Charles B. Darrow of Germanstown, Pennsylvania, presented a game called Monopoly to the executives of Parker Brothers. Oh my God. It was a game's exciting promise of fame and fortune that initially prompted Darrow to produce this game on his own. So she was not credited as Monopoly's creator during What's her, her name lifetime. Dave Lizzie, Lizzie Maggie. Maggie. I am more we angry need... about this than not having the vote. That's a f- this no. is fucked so up. That Parker is Brothers fucked. went back and they gave her five hundred dollars and to go away. Basically, oh, and then they said they would produce uh, her version of the game, the land, the landlord's game. But they never produced enough to for her to earn any money back on it. So they only produced a small number of them, and so she died relatively poor. Whereas. Charles B. Darrow became an absolute fucking millionaire off it. Now, since this is since uh, there was like an essay or a kind of a story done about the this and it all came to light in, in later years, recently enough in our history. And so now any original copies of the landlord's game are the most sought after board game collectors game mm. it actually looks beautiful very very similar to a monopoly board but it's a little bit more intricate and it's just a gorgeous um it's a gorgeous little game maggie's but game what's her name let's have a look at that so her name is her name is elizabeth maggie but everyone called her lizzie so lizzie maggie uh, and it's called the landlord's game so have a little have a little look at that nice. and c- copies of her so they're the collectors exist. they're collectors um such oh, a here sad it is. Irony. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. But that's just one example, right? Um, God, that's a shocker. It's horrendous, isn't mm. it? But there's so many more examples to get into. Um, so let's talk about, well, this, this one was, have you seen the film Hidden Figures? Yeah. Beautiful film. Yeah. So that is about. Although uh, there is an annoying Kevin Costner saving the day kind of moment. Yeah, of course there is, right? That's his name, isn't this it? This is about... Is it Kevin Costner in it? Probably. It's kind of generic man. Is it Tom Hanks? Go to Hidden Figures there. Oh, it, both are... Both are like... I can see both of them in it because I just... I have this like mental blindness for men's faces. Um, Just gone. I'm like, he's got short hair and he's tall. <laughs> he's white. Can't. Except for our fave men. <laughs> Fave men. I I do have to turn down the. I don't hate men. I just want it to be said. I love men. Tm. 
but not in not this not, one. In, not in high profile positions. Um, that is it. Yeah. Okay. So who's the male star? So the one of male star. It's great anyway. to see them in the minority for once. It is three women, yeah, one exactly. man. It's the story of Catherine Kevin Johnson, Foster. a mathematician in the 1950s. So Catherine Johnson worked alongside other women analyzing data and performing complex mathematical calculations for NASA. They were called computers. They Ooh. were called computers who wore skirts. Ah. Oh, yeah, so there was a, just got a, a differentiation. Yeah. Little je ne sais quoi of misogyny on top. Um, so she was... The first woman and the first person of color to join an all-male team in NASA in 1953. And she was so talented um, that she was able to break down racial and gender barriers, ensuring that she was finally included in meetings, which women had never been invited before. Much of her work went uncredited as women were not allowed to put their names on reports until a point <sighs> when that. she filled in for a colleague, did the entire report by herself, and they had no choice but to credit her on the report. Um, so she, she knew that it was like, it, it was with every sort of like disdain that they put her name um, finally on a report. But she did kind of get a claim because she did the calculations for the trajectories of the first American in space. Oh, she um, did more key projections in the space race and indicative of her importance to NASA, astronaut John Glenn requested that Catherine be the woman to check all of the calculations before anything happened. Amazing. That she would wow. be right there she's um, like the last barrier yeah because she was enacted. heavy responsibility yeah the smartest woman by a landslide right then we have uh, an australian actress sorry austrian american actress called heidi lamar who was born in 1914 so she was often described as the most beautiful woman in the world and remembered for hollywood appearances but she was a keen inventor and she invented or kind of made a discovery on frequency hopping, which huh. is, um, it was, which I'm going to get to in a second, which is super important, but became the basis of so much of the science and technology that we have at our fingertips today. Right. So during her downtime, when she wasn't in movies, she was tinkering away in her trailer and she uh, she was actually a lover of Howard Hughes, uh, the square shaped aeroplane, and she helped design. <laughs> you meant the man, the no, piss no. collector. Who's Howard, Howard Hughes? Hughes? Is he not the um, eccentric, reclusive aviator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Piss collector. He invented the square shaped said... aeroplane wings. Oh, did, and yeah. Sorry, when you said the Howard Hughes, I thought you well. No, is that what the her lover Howard again? Hughes. I don't know what they call the airplane, but oh, he, sorry, he, I he was the guy behind the square shaped wings. But actually, Heidi was because she studied books on birds and fish and, and animals that could fly and improved the design of the airplane and suggested it be squared. Obviously, never to get credit for it. She also um, improved traffic light design. Anyway, it was during World in her War spare II. Time. Yeah. It was during World War Two that she started. Um, she started getting interested in frequency hopping. So, torpedoes were controlled by radio waves, which were often uh, intercepted by the enemy and then thrown off track. Okay. I don't understand how that works. They're obviously on like, I don't know how a torpedo is controlled by radio waves, but it is. Okay. And that's dangerous because it can be tampered with, right? Now, she didn't have any formal training in uh, what that meant. So she she collaborated with an inventor and a composer called George Antheil. And she suggested that the radio frequency would change up at rapid pace so that they wouldn't be able to intercept it, that it would move from frequency to frequency, this frequency hopping idea, right? Which is the precursor to Wi-Fi, GPS, and Bluetooth. Wow. Fucking hell, lads. Yes. So she actually got the patent alongside Antheil, but, and though it was later used by the military, she did not receive any credit for her invention during her lifetime. And when she wanted to join the National Inventors Council, which seems to be a dream of hers, they were told her that um, she should focus 
on her movies and she her time would be better spent as a pinup selling war bonds. Gross. Oh my god. Yeah. Um okay, and then this one is super interesting. I mean, they're all super interesting and depressing. There's so <laughs> many. There's just That's the so in a nutshell. Super interesting. There is so many. Oh yeah, sorry, one I have to shout out, right? Um what's the most fame like what's the most significant thing you learned in maths in school? Pythagoras. Oh, I was going to say the quadratic equation. Pythagoras' theorem, right? The Pythagoras whole... nicked it from Pythagoras. Oh, nice. He nicked it from Tino of Croton, which is, was his wife. Ah, uh, yeah. behind every great man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just another woman who'd come up with something. There's all, all these other quick examples. Nettie Stevens, she discovered the XY sex determination system um, during her crucial study of mealworms. And she revealed for the first time that an organism's sex is determined by its chromosomes rather than its environment or other factors. I don't know what they thought influenced sex before that. Sure. So she was greatly influenced by the commu- scientific community's um, transition into this line of inquiry, inquiry. But it was Thomas Hunt Morgan, a distinguished geneticist of the time, that was credited with this discovery. Um, there's just so many more. This, there's I, so many I like really cross science one. but I let me I'll tell you one more before I finish up and then recommend that people don't just cut go. it short no draw okay. it out the <clears throat> ENIAC programmers ENIAC or ENIAC it's E-N-I-A-C programmers so this was in 1946 six women worked together to build the first ever completely electronic programmable computer oh my god yeah Amazing. what year 1946 so Kathleen Antonio, Jean Bartik, Francis Holberton, Marilyn Metzer, Francis Spence and Ruth Tietelbaum were tasked with programming the first ENIAC electronic integrator and computer. And they were tasked by the US Army by the University of Pennsylvania um, School of Electrical Engineering. So the computer was to be used in the ongoing World War II to work out artillery trajectories. However, the project was top secret. So the identities of the woman who had programmed the computer were never revealed. Convenient. The six female programmers were uncredited for their work until 1980s when a Harvard student named Kathy Kleiman stumbled upon a photo of the women with the computer. Oh my God. While researching a thesis on early programmers and software developers. So she inquired about the image and was told that they were models. No. They were models posing with the computer to make the computer oh, seem more appealing. Them. But Why? delving further, she discovered that they had been the original programmers. Now, the computer Why? itself had issues but it was incredible <laughs> why well, were they, they all be... women i mean was that something that was there... well, the men were off at war and stuff. kind of yeah and maybe it was just they were they were maybe they were top of their class i mean we know that women perform outperform men throughout their entire academic careers and it's only when they leave college and go into the workplace that some fucking switch happens and men start to outer and women and outperform not outperform but like outprogress women at a rapid rate it's, it's so interesting that like it just took, um, you know, me- the men being preoccupied with something else for a moment for, you know, a take a small takeover. Yeah. Uh, what did you have someone else there? Self? Oh, it made me think of that story of Busy Phillips and Blade- Blades of Glory. Do you remember this story? Vaguely. You know, Blades of Glory with Will Ferrell. Yes. And it was like an ice figure ice skating yeah. movie yeah. Um, from the 2000s, maybe. Yeah. And um I just remember in her book, this will this is gonna hurt or this will only hurt a little. Um, the story of originating that movie idea with the two um, men who were ever ultimately credited with the movie, like she had the idea, worked on the outline, worked on the initial script, everything, and was completely written out of the last the whole bit. movie, like and had to fight, um, like illegally to prove her involvement and I don't know it's just well you know well, just another so more recent example mm. it's just constant it's everywhere um Harriet Zuckerman was another woman 
And she wrote uh, this kind of concept called the Matthew effect. And the Matthew effect is very interesting. It's often surmised as the idea that the rich get rich and the poor get poorer. It's the idea of like compounded success that like mm. if you win something, the likelihood of you winning something else is increased. And like the more friends you have, the more attractive you are to potential friends. So okay. like everything compounds. It's fascinating. It's like um, snowballs. Yeah. And there's often the... Matthew effect is also attributed to male scientists and it's basically says that the most prominent male scientist in the room or in the organization will be mm-hmm. will be um, credited for the work despite who comes up with it. Mm. And funny enough, the woman who wrote that concept was a woman called Harriet Zuckerman and the concept was credited to her husband. <laughs> Oh God! Happy yeah. days. I feel super privileged. People call it the law of attraction now. And oh the yeah, yeah exactly. manifesting. Manifesting. Um, yes. Another scientist, Martha, uh, Martha Gautier, in in the again nineteen. Right, she was born in nineteen twenty-five. She made a discovery in the chromosomal abnorm, abnormality that result that causes Down syndrome, and that discovery was credited to a man called Jerome Lejeune it's just they're fucking everywhere and an interesting point is that there was another a neurobiologist called Ben Bars he was a Stanford University medical student who transitioned from female to male and spoke of his scientific achievements having been perceived differently depending on what sex others thought he was at the time so prior to his transition to male he said his, his scientific achievements were ascribed to men or devalued, but after transitioning to men, his achievements were lauded. The same, fascinating, same work that but he not was working surprising. on. Mm. Um, yeah, and then there's loads. There's just all these other fantastic examples of times when men got Nobel prizes on the back on the back of the work of women. In 1934, the Nobel Prize in um, physiology or medicine was awarded to George Whippy, George Richards Minot and William P. Murphy mm. and their female co-worker Frida Robstreit Robbins was excluded on the grounds for sex however Whippy shared the prize money with her and d- said that she deserved the Nobel Prize since she was the co-author on all of his publications um what did they discover I don't the know. DNA Oh, the, the, the team <laughs> that discovered yeah. DNA were, um, there was a woman at that. Hold on, I have, a, I have her on a list here. So I love how exhausted Cassie sounded there. I yeah, don't, I don't know. Just, just, she had just another constant. thing that was attributed to a nearby man. Exactly. You, you there, sir, you'll do. Yeah. You're in the room here. Yeah. Do, do you want a Nobel Prize? Um, oh yeah, Rosalind Franklin was uh, recognized as an important contributor to the 1953 discovery of DNA structure. But at the time of the discovery um it was Francis Crick and James Watson who received the 1962 Nobel Prize yeah her work was not properly credited even though Watson described her contribution in his 1968 book The Double Helix but like oh it's just exhausting absolutely exhausting hold on I had one more I feel like TikTok's gonna have a field day with this why Oh, you know the way they love to be, be like, like, oh, women, you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was her name? It had effect. It was something bold. They're being nice to us now. Oh, God. Don't trust that either. <laughs> They're luring don't us Don't believe in. the good and don't believe the bad. That's my motto. Oh, yeah. This one. Oh, my goodness. This one was so bad. Um, so this was a woman called Alice Ball. She was born uh, in 1892 in Washington. Uh, her parents, like her grandparents, were successful photographers, and she uh, she wanted to go forth and study science. Right. Interestingly, she was a black woman, and her parents wrote white on her birth cert, and um, so she she moved through college. Um. She managed to acquire two bachelor degrees from the University of Washington, one in pharmaceutical chemistry and another in pharmacy. And she published a 10 page paper alongside her pharmacy instructor. Um, But she didn't get any credit for it. Right now, at the time, uh, leprosy was still a huge issue. And they discovered that 
uh, a treatment from the cava plant an oil from the cava plant could be used to treat leprosy but the problem was that the oil was so potent and disgusting that nobody could drink it it was just horrendous they couldn't consume it and then when they tried to inject it it caused a burning sensation and it was just not effective so it was alice ball who took the um i think it was the fats out of the oil managed to create a mixture that could then be injected without burning and with very few side effects and was a really effective treatment for leprosy that was used for more than 30 years but when alice was in the lab she was very young um they were studying um she was studying chemical warfare at this point in time and uh, she was in the lab in 1916 and they were doing all these like health and safety classes and precautions against using gas and how to use gas masks in the lab. And the the story was that she either was treat, teaching someone how to put on their gas mask or hadn't got the mask up on and she was exposed to a poisonous chlorine gas. Oh God. Which caused her death. Yeah. No. In the lab. Now, some That's a death terrible report, way to die as well. Yeah, some death reports attributed her death to, to TB, but it was, she died in the lab after that gas thing Jesus. anyway. And her colleague, Arthur L. Dean, stole all of her research oh. and published after it her as her own. It was only for, there had been another man um, that uh, her supervisor, sorry, her supervisor, Dr. Harry Holman, had been talking to her about the work that she was doing. So it was years later that she was finally attributed to the person who had discovered this effective cure and treatment for leprosy. But for a very long time, it was this colleague, Arthur Dean, who got the praise for it. Bastard. God almighty. Prickology. Isn't it? Yeah. God, it's so annoying. It's just so difficult for women to even get in the room and then when they get in the room, men fucking steal their ideas or steal the credit for the work and then say things like, oh, they're just models posing with this computer. And they focus so much. The story of the computer is particularly interesting because the ENIAC, the ENAC programmers or whatever, that is like, you know, they we often, there were men involved obviously in the, in the creation of the first computers and stuff, but they focus so much on the hardware. And they were like, this is the system, this is the machine, but like the actual workings of it and the 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 program, the language that they came up with was like the basis of so many programming languages that are still used and they didn't get attributed to the work that they did in the proper, like, that's the magic stuff. Do you yeah, know, the software stuff. Is, they know they can weld metal to create the case and yeah. the mechanics of it, but writing the software, writing the code was the brand new element. I guess at the time as well, there was just no way that they were going to get credit. It's so interesting that like a lot of the things you listed there were happening in the kind of 1910s. Ward, and yes. the 1930s and 40s. Yeah. It's just like a league of their own. Yeah, it is. You know? Very much so. Great flick. Gina Highly Davis. recommend a revisit. What a ride. Anyway, thanks Cass. That is that so was annoying. But yes, that's Very history and good that we're talking about it now and excellent to that's history. So that's the Matilda effect. And it, it is though, it's interesting because when you look back in history and you look at all the like great <clears throat> historical moments that we all study and we all learn about and the politicians and yeah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. It's all men because who decided what was going in the history books? More men. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole mm-hmm. wealth of... Um, there's this wealth of, of, of women throughout history who are not acknowledged. If you do want to hear more about women in history, we did a podcast a couple of years ago called Her Story with RTE and they are on Spotify, I believe, on the RTE website. And it's 16 different women that were profiled through different episodes. Nice. There you go. Can I give a plug as well if you want to hear more about women in history? I had an amazing show last night that that's going to become a monthly show and it's with Blaheen Ennis who yes. is a stand-up comedian and she is working with um 
a comedy night called Hysteria, a comedy club called Hysteria that's all for women, for non-binary, for Beautiful. the gays and the theys. And it's just going to be really inclusive and amazing. And she's basically doing this night once a month in Chennai. I went last night. It was amazing. And the, uh, because it was the anniversary of the rising, she was kind of doing a comedy with an amazing panel of like academics and researchers um, all about our amazing Irish women who've just been completely written out of the mm-hmm. history of the rising and the history of academia in Ireland. And it was fucking sensational. So follow at Hysteria Comedy on Instagram and Will right uh, Blaheen, whose Instagram name is at being blah. And just go to come to the next one. It was it was amazing. And the stories were incredible. Um, so, yeah. Sounds great. Thanks, Sophs. So, uh, speaking of women doing good things, you're about to go do something good for our hive. Please tee us up. So, I am doing um, Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know how else to say it. I've had to consume only dry snacks, dry meals for days and days now. I am so full of information about this. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to really wait. try and hop, skip and jump through 17 pages of notes. It's a big font. Nice. Come over uh, to the Hive if you, that tickles your fancy. You never know. It's going to be a two-parter, I would imagine, unless I can, or we could, I could talk double time. Double it could double be a hearty time. meal anyway. Yes. Uh, see you there. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Little bit of house creeping before we go. Okay, so the Creep Dive patron, that is patron.com forward slash the Creep Dive is hopping and bopping as usual. Love it over there. We do our real libelous shit over there, to be mm. honest. And um, when we release videos of the main episode, of course, see our beautiful faces. And we are now basically cutting costs. <laughs> yeah. We're phasing we out to... the free tote for every new patron. I hope you understand that it's times are tight, inflation, everything. Um, but what we are doing instead is every month we're doing a lottery of Creep Dive merch mm-hmm. for three lucky patrons. It will be chosen at random from our whole amazing patron family. Um, so everyone who has joined the patron up until today, Monday 25th of April, and I'll run this till midnight tonight. So if you jump, wait, this goes out tomorrow, doesn't it? Run yeah. to midnight till the 26th of 26th, April. 26th. So the day that this is out, I will run the, the, anyone who's joining up until midnight, the 26th of April, will get their tote, their Lontroy Larry tote. And after that, we are introducing a monthly lottery. It's going to be awesome because we have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have totes. You could get very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. And also we are introducing an amazing new feature on the patron for extra special creeps who want to just give us a little a new tier yeah and financially so we're gonna do a live a live something party. Uh, once a month so we're gonna have an extra tier that'll crop up on your patron i don't know whether they'll be alerted or you could sign up to it if you were signing up we now. can send an email to them just, all and let them know we're new exactly tier. yeah um, uh, there we go so it's going to be a monthly watch party with us and it's going to be really fun interactive it's basically going to be a big callback to the old zooms of old times exactly we're going to have parties and pageants and chats and games and watch scary movies together and watch crazy documentaries together you know what we should watch no actually why am i suggesting sister act two yes yes that's way better than capturing the freedmen which is what i was about to suggest no to that okay thank you all so much and especially thank you to our patrons Bye. bye